welcome to Major Motion Pictures, a DMC podcast dedicated to asking better questions than what is your favorite movie. And today I'm here with two new guests to the podcast, uh, two more of my co-workers, and now the dreaded part where I have to pronounce your names. So welcome, Glory Schroeder and Mariah Deddy. Oh, so close. It's Dee Dee. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, close also, it's Schrader. Oh, man, over oh, 2. <laughs> That's okay, our names are whack. I know, it's spelled just like the blonde kid from the Peanuts, but mm-hmm. said differently for some reason. Uh, well, welcome anyway to the podcast. I'm glad you are here. How is your day going? Thank you, it's going really well so far. It's going pretty good. Nice. How are you? I'm doing well. I went grocery shopping this morning, so that was fun. I got, like, sliced turkey. Ooh, for sandwiches? Or, like, what? Yes, for sandwiches. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a very exciting person. That was my adventure for the entire weekend. (laughs) Well, that's that's all we can do now, I guess. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, it's what what a lot of us look forward to in quarantine, going to the grocery store. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Also, like, I go to the Hagen's and it's right next to the Wendy's, so I got, like, a Frosty, too, so... Oh, yeah. Heck yes. Nice. All right, so since you guys are first-time guests on the podcast, I like to start off conversations by talking about uh, why you got into video production in the first place, because we all work at the DMC as video production assistants, and I'm very fascinated on the paths that took people to that position. Um, Yeah, Mariah, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I guess it was probably the beginning of junior year high school, because I ended up getting into um, stage production at my theater at uh, high school. Wow, cool. And I ended up being like sound tech and stage manager and light tech. And I just kind of enjoyed that. And then I eventually got into a one production. And I really liked that. And then I met Glory. And Glory was actually working at the DMC when I met her. And I was like, I just spent my entire freshman year basically beside her in the DMC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of just watching her. I kind of just thought you worked there already. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he talked to me a couple of times. He was like, I'm going to recruit you for next year for sure. Like, like three times. So I was like, yeah, do it. I want to work here. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also I did a video production in uh, senior year. So I did like six movies in the span of my senior year at high school and I meet with me and my friend they're just kind of messing around like just testing out different movie types and it was pretty fun yeah yeah that's awesome yeah yes yeah um so for me uh I just kind of I also um was into doing stuff for for theater to begin with Mm mm-hmm and uh, my senior year of high school, I had changed uh, schools because we'd moved. And not to knock the Midwest, but I would not recommend <laughs> um, going to school in Missouri. Just, you know, I don't know. The school I went to, not a big fan of it. But anyway, uh, one cool thing was there was like a career center type thing uh, next to the school that if you wanted to, a junior or senior could take a class there, like a three hour long class. And one of the options was video production. Mm-hmm. And I thought it just looked really interesting. Uh, so I took that class my senior year and it was about, uh, you know, we used um, 
Adobe and just learning how to do, you know, stuff in Premiere and how to shoot video and edit and all that kind of stuff. And it, I just thought it was really cool. And then coming to Western, you know, looking for jobs on campus, I saw the DMC and I was like, hey, I have a little bit of, of background in that already. Maybe I could get my way in there. And I thought it would be really interesting. And it's been fun so far. I just, I wish we could do more during, um, you know, the quarantine we've been having. Right. Yeah. Um, what are some of your like favorite shoots that we've done um, with the the studio or that you've been part of for the DMC? I really liked um, when Evan Mueller came in with his uh, acting for film classes mm-hmm. and we got to help them with that. I thought that was really fun. I was going to say that one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was the one I actually got to like help the most with. Cause it was just basically, it was me and glory and then like a few other people who helped out, but like me and glory were the ones that were running around and that was like the most I've had to do with the DMC. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I finally have like somewhat of a responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we were always there when he came in. Yeah. it was Also freshman year. Uh, when we we went and recorded um, Saul's fight. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. I wish I could have gone again uh, this year, but for some reason, I don't remember what was going on, but I just couldn't go. And I was bummed about that because it was so awesome last year. For uh, anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't know who Saul is, um, he is uh, one, another one of our coworkers, but he's also a very talented Muay Thai fighter. Um Uh, in local in Bellingham yeah Uh, and so the DMC was hired to go film some of his fights um both two years ago and then this year uh and it's uh, just a really cool event I didn't get to go either time and I'm very (laughs) jealous oh yeah I think it's um there I'm not sure if they finished putting it all together but I think it's a bit of a little documentary slash like portfolio for his whole career of doing Muay Thai and stuff like that. Yeah, I was I was there for the filming of one of the interviews of um, his coach uh, or like a mentor figure. And that was really cool because we were using the big fancy cinema kit with like the super nice, oh, nice. Uh, camera. And <laughs> yeah. it was the first time I had seen the camera and I was like starstruck <laughs> by a camera. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the technology that we get to play with in the DMC is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I oof. and like just even the two like little not little, but the DSLR cameras that we have in the back. They're like, oh yeah, this is a seven hundred dollar camera. The lens yeah. itself is another five hundred. <laughs> yeah. Don't drop it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that yeah. Is super expensive and you just always are on edge <laughs> no matter what. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's hop into the question that is the topic of this uh podcast episode, which is what is the best movie adaptation? Uh, go. Um, okay. So, uh, I don't know, best, best movie adaptation ever. I'm not sure. But the first thing that comes to mind, because this is something that me and Mariah and all our roommates watched together recently, that, um, this seems kind of lame, but it's the first time that I've ever seen them was, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh yeah. Which they're really good and honestly I don't know what I was expecting and why I've never seen them before because <laughs> I know they're so popular and so loved um but I was really impressed and I really liked them I myself 
have an interesting, slightly embarrassing history with Lord of the Rings in that I never watched it when I was younger. And so during a summer in high school, my family, during the middle of the day, we just went upstairs and for a week we watched one Lord of the Rings movie per day. Um, but it was also really hot and we were upstairs and there were like cozy blankets and we were supposed to be quiet because uh, we had like really young siblings sleeping downstairs. And so I fell asleep during the middle of each of the movies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. And I know that they're like super grand adventures mm. and they're very interesting and definitely like right up my alley. But for whatever reason, I have not stayed awake through an entire Lord of the Rings viewing. I feel like that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I haven't seen them much. Like I only, I don't, I think I've only seen like the first one before this last week. And I, the only adaption for the Lord of the Rings, like, stuff I've seen was The Hobbit mm -hmm. uh, and I saw all three in theaters with my family and we did watch The Hobbit and I realized that it's not the best adaption because they <laughs> added a whole bunch of stuff to it Yeah, and I was like oh I thought it was actually pretty good when I watched it as a kid at like 12 with all my brothers but I do remember tearing it apart in the car on the way home so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I was a big fan of the Hobbit book when I was younger. I have never been able to read the other Lord of the Rings books just because they are written in a way I don't find interesting, yeah. which is another reason Lord of the Rings fans are going to hate me <laughs> after this. I'm just exposing myself uh, for all the world to hear. No, that's fair. But um, I loved the Hobbit. At one point, I had like all of the dwarves' names memorized and what color mm. capes they wore when they like went to Bilbo's house. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I only watched the first Hobbit movie. Um, not because I didn't like it, but just because it was on TV one day. I, at this point, I think I wasn't going to a lot of PG-13 movies mm -hmm. in theaters. Because uh, I, I started doing that much later than a lot of peers. But uh, it was like on TV and I watched it. And I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. The, the third Hobbit movie is really unnecessary, really. <laughs> you don't have to watch it. <laughs> it is very... Um... The most important action happens at the beginning, basically, of the last one. <laughs> and then there's still like two hours left. Um, yeah, and you're just which, you know, like, there's I more. Thought that was the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of uh, comments online that are like, Battle of the Five Armies should really have just been the climax of Desolation of Smog, mm -hmm. uh, especially since it's like two chapters or something in the book and Bilbo is asleep or knocked out or something <laughs> for like the entire battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe possibly the reason they did that is because the big battle in, you know, Lord of the Rings and stuff. So maybe they just thought people wanted another movie that was like a giant battle sort of thing. Yeah. That maybe. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they probably wanted to be like, Oh, well the Lord of the Rings trilogy did really well. We should make this one a trilogy as well. Because it'll probably bring us more money, right? Yeah. But our roommate, when we finished, she was like, "There's a there's an a fan edit that cuts out all of the extra stuff they added for the movies, and it's only like they took out like two or three hours of it, so it's like a four hour feature length film that. Hmm. And I'm like, we should watch that. Why haven't we Why haven't we watched <laughs> that yet? Because uh, I think that would be a much better rendition of The Hobbit. <laughs> 
I think she called it yeah. the, the Tolkien cut or something because it's only keeping in things that <laughs> happened in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is certainly interesting. Um, I know that, so the same guy who did the Lord of the Rings um, trilogy, Peter Jackson, also directed the Hobbit films, but originally they wanted uh, Guillermo del Toro, Ugh, that's that's not his name, Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> I just can't pronounce any names today, but uh, he originally was going to make it two parts, uh, and then creative differences happened with the production company, and he left the project, and they gave it to Peter Jackson, oh. Uh so there was originally going to be a shorter version. Um, I do remember seeing his name in the credits. I think yeah, he was still one of like know. the producers or something. Maybe he was a costume designer um, for like the orcs yeah. or something. Even though, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> a major thing that I think that Lord of the Rings did so much better than The Hobbit, even though The Hobbit was made like 10 years later and we had better technology and better ability for CG this whatever they used it it see it looked so much worse and i think the main reason is because they used so many practical effects in lord of the rings right. and then just kind of used cg to enhance them mm-hmm. or if they did use cg for like the battles and stuff it was like from a farther away angle so you can't tell as much yeah but there was so much in the hobbit that was like close-ups on this person that's like completely cg so it just kind of looks bad yeah (laughs) there was like whole scenes that were just looking like video games basically just like a video game (laughs) yeah they they looked like like video game cut scenes (laughs) (laughs) which isn't bad but like i would have expected a little bit more of like a blending of both yeah i mean i've seen the like the scene where smog's like treasure gets melted and that just looks horrendous in the second movie (laughs) yeah yeah and the main like bad guy orc and stuff like that like they could have just had a person in practical Mm -hmm. effects and everything and it would have looked better because i don't know he just looks so shiny yeah like (laughs) fake (laughs) not how orcs are supposed to look yeah no it's too clean (laughs) yeah all right well so that maybe we don't spend the entire time talking about one uh film Uh, franchise yeah i guess another question that i had very much related to movie adaptations is what do you think makes a good movie adaptation like does it just have to be a good movie that isn't an original source material or does it have to pay homage to what it's adapting like what what enhances that experience for you um i think when it uh pretty much stays true to the source material in a way but like if it strays from it that it makes sense at least yeah or that there's a reason for it because I've seen uh you know there are many movie adaptations of like a book or something else that basically changes the plot completely and there's no real reason for it and then that makes fans of the original material kind of automatically feel rubbed the wrong way because it they they love the source material and instead of even like trying to kind of go with what it made they take it in their own completely opposite or different direction that I don't know I I think it also depends how much structure and how much fan base the original material has yeah that's definitely true Mm -hmm. I feel this I I have thoughts about two different DreamWorks movies along this line 
Um, they have a movie called Home, which is based on a book called The True Meaning of Smekde, which I adore so much. It's like my favorite alien invasion book. Um, yeah. But the movie makes some changes that are like, well, that's just more boring than what they did in the book. Like, I'd, be ra- I'd rather be reading it than seeing it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, uh, How to Train Your Dragon is a DreamWorks movie that's based on a book series that I read when I was a kid. And I love both the movies and the books, uh, but they're extremely different. They yeah. completely mm. transformed the story to fit the new like framework that they were trying to work in. And they just made two versions of the characters in the world that don't work well with each other, but tell good stories. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I, um, I have seen the uh, How to Train Your Dragon movies, but I must admit I have never uh, read the books when I was younger. I recommend reading the whole series <laughs> because yeah. the, like the first couple are, it's good world building and you get to like know the characters, but all the really interesting stuff happens in like book 10 through 12. <laughs> yeah. Is that many books? I thought it was yes. like three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's 12, I think. Or maybe 13. I don't know. I own most of them. I also didn't know that Home was based on a book. Oh, I thought it was just like a either. standalone. It's so good. It, it's called <laughs> The True Meaning of Smek Day. There's a sequel. The sequel is not as good. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's basically the same plot-ish. It's about Tip um, and... Oh, shucks. I don't remember the real alien's name. Maybe maybe it's the same in the book. Oh, I think is what they call him in the movie. Yeah. But... um. It's an alien invasion story, and the form of the book is that she's writing a essay uh, for school after everything go- uh, goes back to normal called The True Meaning of Smek Day, because Smek Day is what they called Christmas when the aliens came. They just renamed Christmas Smek Day uh, <laughs> after their leader. Uh, so she's writing this like account of like, whoa, what did you do when the aliens invaded? And she just has this incredible novel length story. But like at one point, there's like, a ton of cats and like there's five pages of just the word meow I think and it's amazing (laughs) I gotta read it (laughs) I kind of have the same like idea with like both bad and good adaptions and like because I read a lot of Stephen King books as like growing up Mm -hmm. and Cujo Cujo's pretty spot on with how it like plays out besides like the ending like a character's supposed to die but he really doesn't or like that kind of thing yeah but there's another Stephen King adaption that totally destroyed the the like fan base <laughs> and everything and it was it came out like a couple of years ago and it's called the dark tower and oh, this book yeah. was supposed to be this okay these books are seven books long oh my gosh. and this movie was an hour and a half long and it, it's <laughs> just that and it, it, it cuts out like three main characters and like moves the plot super fast and I was just like I was sitting through it because I was like, I, I've got to go watch it. I thought maybe it was just like the first book. No, I was wrong. It was the whole thing. And I was so upset about it. Uh, it totally, I still love the books, but I was like, this is, I got to When I get older, I got to make another rendition. I have to be the one. <laughs> <laughs> she mentioned this before uh, we hopped on here to talk to you. And because he's, involved a lot in the making of the movies and stuff too somewhat (laughs) right and so I asked I was like well if they do change stuff from the original material do you think that he remembers the original material enough to be like hey that's wrong (laughs) (laughs) 
Denver? Well, I, know. I don't think so. Stephen King famously hates the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining. Yeah. Um, and that's a true. lot of people would say that's a great adaptation. That's like a fantastic classic movie that people love. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Stephen King directed Maximum Overdrive, I think. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's like right. regarded as like, <laughs> why? Uh he he also helped with okay so there's two versions of the pet cemetery movie like mm-hmm. the book um and he helped direct the newest one and he was totally okay with yeah. how they changed it and everyone in the fan base was just like why why did you do this why did you <laughs> why did you change it so much cuz it's com- like completely derails the books and it's like this man doesn't know what he's doing anymore he never has really. I was gonna say maybe he just really likes uh bad movies. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what he strives to make. Uh speaking of like the Stephen King fan base though, um they didn't seem very like mad about the changes made to the most recent it. Um specifically like excluding the giant turtle plot and uh the teen orgy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's think okay they were to grateful for that uh, to not be a part of it. <laughs> that's almost like, why is it in the book in the first yes. place? Yeah. Oh, Stephen King was on something. <laughs> I think yeah. more than one thing. <laughs> I hope some of the some of the weird stuff can just be chalked up to cocaine and not anything deeper than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything more concerning. Although that's already pretty concerning. There was a period of his life where he was scared that his kids would die. So he just wrote a bunch of kids dying in his books. Oh. Because <laughs> like, he was like, oh. <laughs> oh. If I was scared my kids are going to die, I think I'd write happy endings for the children <laughs> instead of uh, death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm more in uh, your camp than his. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was okay with the change in the ending of Cujo. Mariah? Maybe. Maybe. He yeah. he got past his child death phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm trying to think of yeah. more examples of adaptations I like. Um, I think The Hunger Games is a really good adaptation. Mm-hmm. It is. I feel like it's kind of overlooked. Yeah, yeah. It, it walks this great line between being faithful uh, to the books and then also just telling a good cinematic story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having things be, you know, exciting enough and and still dramatic enough yeah. for on screen. I mean, comparatively to The Hunger Games, I don't think the Divergent book or movies are nearly as good adaptations of oh, their I source agree. material. I don't think Especially I the last the Oh, oh, the last <laughs> Divergent movie is called Allegiant and it is horrendous. It's so bad. Oh, it's, yeah, it's I didn't horrible. even make it, like, it that far in the, the movies. Book. Oh. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my gosh! It so like the books, ugh, the books take place like <laughs> less than a hundred years in the future. Like technology yeah. is kind of the same as it is now, with like a little bit of an increase in like what they can do and like data collection and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's all a very recognizable world. But then the movie Allegiant takes place in like an all white void sometimes and they have like <laughs> space pods and force fields and it's like why wow. that's that's not even close i don't yeah. understand did you read the book <laughs> i think maybe they just read the first two 
if that, and they were they, like, I think ooh, I got the they, idea. Yeah, they like, might have. Yeah, we understand. Because <laughs> there's like a major uh, character death at the end of the Divergent trilogy uh, that just doesn't happen yeah. in the movies. <laughs> oh, really? It... <laughs> they just wow. like, we got it. We were the first Actually, two. I no longer care about spoiling it for the listeners. Uh, the main character is supposed to die at the end of Allegiant, yeah. and then she just doesn't in the movie. She, like, yeah. Which, just, like, gets honestly, up and walks away. Wow. <laughs> Which, honestly, like, I mean, I'm not typically a person that's for that. Like, in the, I read the books, and I was kind of not very happy with the ending where that happens. Oh, okay. However... I mean, I didn't make it that far in the movies, though. I saw the first one. And did the second two even come out in theaters? Because I feel like I didn't even see Oh, I saw Legion them. in theaters. And, that oh, was yeah. one, of the, one of the movies I consider a waste of money I spent. Because uh, I believe I saw the second one eventually on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, yeah, I don't even, I didn't even see the third one. Because <laughs> it's just, man... I remember being excited about reading those books too. And then the movies were just, yeah. This is a tangent and kind of uh, off topic, but. Excellent. uh, (laughs) The first of those movies, I don't remember, I can't think of his name right now, but Triss's brother is played by Ansel Elgort. And he is awful. He is so awful in the movie. That's why you don't like him? No, no, no. Not not acting. The the character. The character is just so annoying. Well, he gets worse, though, right? Because, like, he... Well, again, I'm just spoiling the plot of Divergent for everyone. (laughs) Uh, He's a traitor and betrays his sister and, like, tries to have her killed. Right. Yeah, but yes, Mariah, this is... Uh, one of the main reasons why I don't like Ansel Elgort is because <laughs> I just keep thinking of him as Caleb from Divergent, and he was he's so good annoying. at Baby Driver. He's so good at Baby Driver. Baby Driver was good, but I must admit. But I don't know. There's something about his face, also. It's just <laughs> I I don't. I think it I also <laughs> weirds people out that uh, he and Shailene Woodley starred in. Two movies that came out fairly oh, close yeah. together. Uh, in Divergent, they're playing brother and sister. A few years earlier, they played boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually, I think those movies came out the same year, which is even oh, weirder. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, weird. That, oh, there's another movie adaptation, The Fault in Our Stars. I oh, yeah. will admit, <laughs> I read the book, but I didn't see the movie. I think I, I did know. the same thing. I didn't read yeah. it. I didn't watch it. But I kind of read the book because I think it got uh had another wave of popularity when the movie was coming out. Yeah. And I think when the movie was like coming out is when I read it, but then I just never went and saw the movie. <laughs> I read it for school. Like it was just one of the assigned things that we had to read in ninth grade. Really? Oh really? Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. It's a pretty uh pretty downer book to be forced to read in school. <laughs> yeah, we read let's see, we read Romeo and Juliet, To Kill mm-hmm. a Mockingbird, Ender's nice. Game. And The Fault in Our Star. Well, these are all kind of depressing books. Wow. Yeah. In ninth grade, I think, I I don't think I had any books that were like, I don't know, like modern like that to read. I think in, mm. in ninth grade, I had yeah. to read To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. and um, Romeo and Juliet too. But then I also had to read like Animal Farm oh. and like something else that was like that. <laughs> so I just got all the old books. I mean, 
Did you get to watch the Romeo and Juliet movie where the Romeo oh, we... actor looks exactly <laughs> like Zac Efron? <laughs> oh, I, I'm i not sure. We got to watch it, but then um, our at the point where we were wa- we were reading the books, our school, our high school was putting on Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, ours and too. It was like, oh, nice. It was like... We had a, it was a little secret, or like not secret, but like a special little showing for us. And we got to sit on stage in like a little patch of grass they rolled out for us. And it was like, it was like Romeo and Juliet in a park. And it was really cute. And that's was, awesome. Ah, like, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> in my class, uh, we got to see an older version of the movie. I don't remember when it was from. That was the version that was pretty you know, pretty good, pretty true to everything. Mm-hmm. And then my teacher was like, just because it's so bad and I <laughs> like it and want to watch it, we're going to watch the Leo DiCaprio uh, rendition uh-huh. of Romeo and Juliet. Yes. <laughs> I also watched that one. Man. I did not see that one. I think the older version is the one that I was talking about. Yeah. And I know that at one point my teacher had to jump in front of the TV because it had the... Uh, <laughs> the 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 sex scene um and she didn't pause it in time so she was like shielding our eyes (laughs) not allowed yeah not in ninth grade nope nope all right well we're getting to the 30 minute mark um do you guys have any last suggestions of uh, good movie adaptations. Oh, I was going to say, should we talk about a bad movie adaptation? <laughs> I feel like this whole conversation has been talking about good ones and then, like, the bad cousin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> when you ask what makes a good movie adaptation and, like, um, how far straying from the source material and stuff, mm-hmm. if that matters and everything, honestly, the movie I had in mind when saying my answer was uh, the Percy Jackson movies uh, and what they did completely uh, wrong uh, <laughs> uh, and how bad they were. I actually think the second one isn't as bad as the first one. It's, it's at least fun. Yeah, it's not as bad, but it's still not very good, <laughs> I, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I think because they tried to remedy some of their mistakes. Yeah, but some of the changes they made were like, oh yeah, Annabeth is still blonde now. That she dyed her yeah. hair in between movies. We know you were mad about that. We understand this book series. We got the hair right. We uh-huh. Read it. Uh-huh. Exactly. But also speaking of that adaptation, I've heard um, that they're making a series. They are, and I'm so excited. And that uh, uh, the author, Rick Riordan, who also was not very happy with the movie adaptations, <laughs> is a lot more involved uh, this time with the series. He probably just like, let's not have another <laughs> result like that. Yeah, they're developing that with Disney Plus, and it'll come out uh, in the next few years, maybe. Maybe like three years from now, we'll finally get a redemption arc for the Percy Jackson <laughs> series. Yeah, we can. we can only hope that it will be, you know, I mean, the bar is already pretty low, so, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to use up too much of your time, but I did have one more question. Um, yeah. This this episode was about movie adaptations, but I think a lot of the time, like, book series adaptations are better as TV shows, and I wanted to hear your guys' opinions on that. I agree, like, book series instead of, like, just one. Yeah, like, a book series just works as a TV show rather than a series of movies. I think I agree with that, because there's so much, there's always so much that has to be changed or cut out, Mm -hmm. even if they try and make it into a movie series, just because you can fit so much more in, like, you know, 400 pages of book than you can in 
you know, two, two and a half hours of movie. Yeah. So I, sure. I agree with that. It gives space to actually um, tell more of the story. Yeah. It also, like, allows space to, like, elaborate mm-hmm. and add more to it. So, like, Bates Motel ran for, I think, like, five or six seasons or more. I'm not sure, yeah. but... Uh, that one, I really liked that one. I never finished it because I had to, like, move up here. Because I was watching it with my parents, and we were like, mm-hmm. I got to go to college now, and I can't watch it without them. And I picked it back up. <laughs> but I really liked that one when I was watching it. I should probably get back into it. Yeah, my siblings and I are in the middle of watching The Legend of Korra, uh, mm. and they won't let me watch it without them. So we, like, <laughs> so get a few episodes in every, like, winter and spring break. yeah. Nice. All right. So I'm going to read this little outro uh, that I have written. I'm not doing this part off the cuff. Uh, Okay. (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider following the Major Motion Pictures podcast wherever you're listening to us right now, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. You can also check out the Digital Media Center on YouTube and Instagram at WWU underscore DMC. Before we go, I'd like to thank both Gloria and Mariah for being here with me virtually today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, and I would like to thank anyone listening for supporting the DMC and its content. But until next week, thank you for listening. That was really fun.